Welcome Valley family in Poughkeepsie and also those of you that are joining us really all over the place at our online campus. This is week number two of our series that we're calling Chasing Carrots. Last week Pastor Stephen kicked us off, man, and he nailed it, just straight out nailed it. Week number one, introducing this series. And uh, I want to just follow up now and give you a little bit of a background really of why this series at this time. If you'll remember, you've been journeying along with us in September uh, our message series was What's Next. We were talking about the valley, vision for the future, and for you personally, we talked about next steps a whole lot. Uh, and then in October, we talked about frequency, hearing God's voice, and now here in November, chasing carrots, talking about really financial freedom. And, and the reason for all of this is, as your pastor, as we're ending this year, as we're ending this decade, I, I really feel like the best way I could serve you and our pastoral staff can serve the Valley family is to prepare you for for the coming year and the coming decade. And so that's why we talked about vision in September, in October, about hearing God's voice, and now in November, about finding financial freedom. Uh, you, you know, uh, conflict about finances is one of the main reason cited in divorce proceedings. Uh, there's so much conflict if we don't handle our finances the right way. And uh, again, as your pastor, just preparing you for the future, nothing better that I could share with you, or as Pastor Stephen did last week, about finding financial freedom. You know, uh, that's not to say anyone's perfect, but here's the whole thing. I'm certainly not perfect when it comes to financial decisions and, and that sort of thing. But here's the thing. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. And, and so even starting a new decade, starting a new year off in just a few days, you know, we need to... We need to really reflect on how we handle our finances, and God has an incredible amount to say in His Word that gives us clear direction. So I want to invite you, go ahead, open up your Valley app. A lot of scripture we're going to be looking at today. You're going to be able to follow along, fill in the blanks, and I hope this is going to be a tool that you can look back on in the coming new year and in years to come, literally, about what God has to say about finding financial freedom. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, the Bible says, God's speaking to you and me, and he says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Even last week, as Pastor, uh, Pastor Stephen was talking about you, you know, being rich, how to be rich. This is so important because the reality is on a global scale, every, almost every single one of us, with just a few exceptions, are rich on a global scale. But well, it's that endless pursuit of wanting more and more and more. It's a temptation, the Bible says, and it's a trap. If all we want to do is to get rich, and we'll fall into that trap, and it's harmful, and it plunges us into ruin and destruction. And watch this now. You've probably heard this verse quoted before, probably wrongly. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the root. Not money. Money is neutral. Money is not immoral and, and uh, it's not moral. It's amoral. It's neutral. It's what you do with it. But it's the love of money. The love of money. The pursuit of of wealth. I just want to get more and more and more and more and more. That's the root of all kinds of evil. And the Bible says some people eager for money, and this is why this is a pastoral concern. We need to talk about this. Watch. Have wandered from the faith. That the pursuit of wealth, just more and more and more, will cause people to turn away from Jesus. It's powerful. 
And that's a pastoral concern of, of every and any good pastor is a concern of mine. That though people don't wander from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. In other words, to their own personal hurt and to the hurt of those around them as well. And so this is a real pastoral concern. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he was speaking to Timothy, who was a young pastor. And he was like, this is something that should be really on your heart all the time, Timothy, to help people to avoid this temptation and trap. And, and so you don't want that in your life, falling into temptation of ruin and destruction. And, and this verse really motivates me as a pastor to help you to keep from wandering away from your faith. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he doesn't say your treasure is bad. He's just like, make sure you understand where your heart really is. It's where your finances go. It's where your treasure is. And, and so, uh, you know, as I said, I've, I've made some bad financial decisions in my life. Susie and I have in our marriage. We've made some good ones as well. Uh, and, and from time to time, I do actually, I'm called upon, people ask, can you help me, you know, get a kind of a financial plan? I'm not a financial planner, but we've seen a lot of success in, in time when we had very, very little. Uh, and now when we have a little bit more, we've got some college tuitions paid off behind us uh, and all that. And so thank God for that. And, and I want to share with you by the numbers kind of just what any financial planner would actually help you in preparing if you don't have kind of a, a strategy for your finances. We even have some financial planners uh, in the Valley family, that if you're needing help, we can point you in that direction. Uh, and, and I will say this, you know, there was a time when Susie and I actually had a huge amount of credit card debt, and we just kept uh, chipping away, chipping away, and I, I think for the last eight to ten years, zero credit card debt, zero. Paid it all off. We said, we're not going back there again. We're just not going to do that because we're going to order our finances in the way that God instructs us through his word and, and we're going to kill consumerism in our life. And you can do that too and, and uh, what a freedom comes into our lives when you pay off uh, all, all that nagging credit card debt. Especially this time of year rolling into the holidays, real easy to, to jack that up, no doubt about it. So the numbers, what, what typically a financial planner will talk to you about is, is first of all your earnings. You know, what's your income? You need to know uh, what your earnings are and, and to really budget those things out. And then you're spending, because if you're spending more than you're earning, wah, wah, you're in trouble. You're in financial trouble and you're in financial pressure uh, in your life, in your marriage, in your family if you spend more than you actually earn. And then savings is really, really important to set some aside, not to live on 100%. You know, uh, average American I heard one time uh, lives on 135% of what they earn. Think about that. Save, there's nothing in savings, and they're actually living above their income. So earning, spending, savings, and then investing. Investing is so important. I heard this recently, and I went to verify it. Kind of crazy. The average American, the car payment in America today, average is $550 a month. $550 a month. Now, if you're in your 20s, if you take that $550 that you would go out and buy a new car, instead keep driving your beater and you invest that money, listen, by the time you're 60, that would add up to close to $5 million. Isn't that worth riding around that old car for? $5 million worth of investments. So important that we invest and we invest wisely wisely over time and we do it with regularity and so even uh, one of my daughters I was helping this past week just in terms of 
understanding all this and to begin to invest right now while she's 23 years old and the dividends, what that will do for her over time. And then, of course, giving. Giving is an important part of a financial plan. And it's really interesting, in America, do you know the percentages in terms of uh, what people give to like charities, churches, and all this? Someone who's not a Christian, on average, gives 3% of their income to nonprofits or to charities. Someone who is a, a Christian gives a whopping 3.8%. Hardly any difference. Hardly any difference. And yet it's amazing how much the Bible, God tells us about how important it is to give. And another interesting fact is this. The wealthier a person is, the lower the percentage is of what they actually give away. Isn't that interesting? In other words, those that are below the poverty line actually are more generous percentage-wise than those who are the wealthy of the wealthiest in the world today. Percentage-wise. Everyone has a percentage, the same percentage. The wealthier a person is in the United States, the less they actually give in terms of percentage generosity. And so savings is really good. Earning, spending, savings, investment, giving. Savings, you want a verse, it's not in your notes, you want a verse about savings? Here's one, just write this down. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says, wise people store up the best foods in olive oil. In oil. Wise people save, but a fool is a person who eats everything they have. The Bible says a person who doesn't save financially is a fool, is a fool. And so we even have small groups uh, oftentimes here at Valley that help people in terms of earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, how to get a financial strategy for all of that. And, And so this again, wise financial planning should have all of these elements in there. But, but more than just that, what I want to do today is I want to go behind the numbers, beyond the numbers, that, that God speaks beyond these numbers, as wise as those plans are, that God says there's even something more important than just filling each of those categories and having a financial plan. Beyond those numbers. And so I want to take those five categories, if you will, earning, spending, saving, investing, and giving, and let's look at what the Bible has to say, what God has to say, heaven's wisdom, not worldly wisdom, when it comes to our finances. Because God has a plan, and you know what? It works. And it works every single time when we follow God's financial plan. In Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, Now this is what the Lord God says, Give careful thought to your ways. What a great opportunity before we hit Black Friday and all that. Give thought to your ways for our sake financially. You have planted much but harvested little. How many of you say, that's me. It feels like, man, I just, I work so hard and I just don't see much in return. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but they are not warm, especially this weekend. Got a little chilly here. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Have you ever felt that way before? I, I felt that there's times in my life when I just felt like I put money in my pocket and it just, it disappears. It's just gone. God's speaking to that. And it goes on and says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. God says, I want to help. Here's the first thing. I want to help you. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about what you're doing with your finances. Take a moment, stop, and reflect. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, where's the wise man? 
Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And when it comes to finance, again, just looking at the numbers, earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, God says, you know what? That's actually, there's more beyond the numbers. There's more than just those five things. And so we need to understand, could I put it this way, the why God has behind the what. And, and, and follow God's wisdom because God has made the foolish, uh, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world. We need heaven's wisdom that reflects God's values when it comes to our personal finances. And so first thing is this, I think this is like the most critical in terms of earnings. We need to ask this question, is it about calling or is it about consumption? Compensation. Is it about calling or compensation? Is, is our job just about making money? Is that going to fulfill us the more and more that we make? Or is fulfilling my calling and maybe not making as much, but is that going to bring me fulfillment? Or is it just more money that is ultimately going to make me fulfilled? You know, the incredible wealthy in the world, divorce rate's exactly the same as those that are in poverty. Exactly the same. No difference. It's not more compensation that's going to make us more happy. It's fulfilling our calling before God. I'm right where God wants me to do, right where God wants me to be. I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. That's where ultimately fulfillment comes into our life. That's why we have here, and you hear it all the time, that's why we have growth track here at Valley. Because we want you to discover what is the calling that God has on your life. Because your compensation may never go up, but you'll find fulfillment in fulfilling your calling. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And that wasn't just to make money. That, that is a low view of life on this, on this planet and of your life. God has a calling on your life. He has a place for you. He has a purpose for you. And when you and I find that place and we fulfill that purpose, there's no, you can't put a price on that. You can't put a price tag on that. Because it's not about how much you accumulate, it's about how much you can fulfill of God's plan and purpose in your life. And that's why we have this growth track, this four-week journey. Step one, the first Sunday of every month. Step two, the second Sunday. Step three, you get the idea. And it's a four-week journey, and we can actually begin to discover the calling that God has on each and every one of us. See, we don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. We don't just need money to live on. We need something to actually live for. That's fulfilling our calling. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul put it this way. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. And what was his task? To the task of testifying to the gospel uh, of God's grace. He said, for me, life is, there's no real meaning in life. And it's the same for you and me. Unless we fulfill the purpose, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to you and to me. And so let me ask you this question. Are you living for just more compensation to buy more toys, more stuff? Or are you living to fulfill 
and complete the task that the Lord has assigned you. I'm not talking about being a pastor. You may not be a pastor. Only a few are going to be pastors. I'm talking about God has given you a task. That's why we have the Connexus Leadership Network, because it's so important that you discover your unique purpose the other six days of the week, on the job, in your marriage, in your family, to complete the task, finish the race that God created you for. Here's the second one. Now we talk about, that was about earnings. Now when it comes to spendings, it's the second category. I, I think the big picture we need to see there is this. Is it about contentment or consumerism? It's about contentment or consumerism. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus put it this way, don't always be wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Don't be always thinking about, I wish if I only had this. I mean, think about it, how, how uh, consumerism is really like a mirage, you, you know, in the desert, you ever see one of those movies where someone's in the desert and it looks like, you know, right on the horizon, oh, you, you know, it looks like there's a, a, a pond there with uh, tropical, you know, trees and all this, if I can only get there, and then they get there and it's gone. That's what consumerism is. Think about it for a minute. Roll back the clock, those of you who are like adults, think about 10 years ago what your desires were. Chances are you thought, if only I had dot, dot, dot. I'd be content and happy. Now, 10 years later, you've got it, and you're still not content, and you're still not happy. See, we keep moving the goal line all the time. Consumerism does that. And that's why Jesus said, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Contentment versus consumerism. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul put it this way, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Don't miss this now. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Have you learned the secret of being content? Here's... The context of this, the Apostle Paul wrote this while he was chained in a dirty, damp, dark Roman prison. That's when he wrote that. I've learned the secret of being content. You know, it's amazing to me the joy that I see with Susie and I, you know, go to other places around the world. You know, Pastor Stephen was talking about his trip to Haiti uh, and also has been to Guatemala and all that. When we go to Moldova, uh, and, and that's where some of these Operation Christmas Child boxes that we're filling right now, uh, some of them are delivered there to, in Moldova, which is the poorest nation in all of Europe. Tiraspol is the poorest area in the poorest nation in all of Europe. And for many of those children that receive those boxes that you and I are packing right now for Operation Christmas Child, that's all they're going to get for Christmas. And it's like, you, you'll see, you're driving down the roads in Tiraspol in, in a car, you, you'll see a boy like with a can and a stick throwing it up and hitting it with a big huge smile on his face. And that's all he's got. That's it. Whenever we go and we come back, I'm always just so impressed with the joy. People that have absolutely nothing 
I mean, the poorest of the poor. And yet they have this incredible joy. Some of us, we're in church right now, maybe online. Maybe you're in Poughkeepsie campus. And man, to look at your face, you'd think you're baptized in pickle juice. If you smiled, your face would crack. And you've got so much more, but you don't have joy. You don't have contentment. Have you learned the secret of being content? Let me share it with you. Are you ready? Here it is. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. That's contentment. It's not, I I have everything that I want. Contentment is, I realize, I'm already so blessed with what I have. Contentment comes to a point in your life when you say, God, if you never do anything else for me, it's enough. It's enough. If I never get another raise, if I never get another whatever it is, it's enough. I have enough. And that's when you realize you are incredibly rich right where you are, right where you are. And so contentment versus consumerism. How about this one? Third one, now we're talking about savings. Savings is really important, but here's the question. Are we God-dependent or are we independent? So many people, they save up money, and the whole idea behind it is so that I never have to rely on God. I never have to rely on anyone else. I'm independent. And I'm not against savings. Susie and I have savings. We teach our kids to have savings. I'm not against savings, but savings should not give us a false sense of security that we have enough when something terrible happens. We always need to be dependent upon God, leaning in to God. Don't build a savings account so that you feel like you're secure and you don't need God anymore. That would be tragic. Uh, again, that's, that's what the first verse we were talking about as we looked at you know, uh, uh, pursuing uh, finances and wealth in 1 Timothy, the love of money, where it says you wander from the faith. I don't don't need God anymore. I've got enough in the bank. I don't need God's help anymore. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11, it says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Those that are wealthy have a lot in the bank. You know what? They feel like nothing can touch me. Everything's fine. But again, this is not real. This is, this is an imagination. They imagine it's a wall too high to scale for trouble. It's not. It's not. So are you growing, leaning in on, God, I depend upon you? Or, I'm independent. I don't need your help, Lord. I don't need your help. I can take care of myself. As I mentioned before, isn't it interesting that the percentage of giving is the highest in the United States from the poorest people in the United States? Give more than 3%, the poorest people. The wealthier you are, less and less and less. Because we feel like, I've got it all, I'm independent, I don't need it, and I can't be generous to other people. Those who have very little, know they don't have much, I can be generous then with what I have. I love this in Proverbs chapter 30. See if this doesn't kind of ring a bell. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9. 
Great prayer. I encourage you, memorize this. Let this be your daily prayer, and you'll see why. Because later on, somebody picked up on this whole idea from Proverbs 38 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches. It's a great prayer. But give me only my daily bread. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This is what Jesus said when, when the disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. He, he said, you know, one thing to pray every day. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. He's quoting this, this Proverbs. From the 30th proverb, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread and watch why we need to pray this every day. Just give me my daily bread, Lord. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need God. I'm independent. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. God, don't make me crazy wealthy. God, Bless me so I'm not crazy poor. Let me just be middle of the road so that I never forget how dependent I am on you. Are you God dependent or are you independent when it comes to financial decisions and the way that you handle your finances? I love this statement. I heard this many years ago. I think it's just a great one of these kind of like... Uh, what would a sticky statement for us to just commit to a memory and, and put in our hearts. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. That's who I'm going to trust in. I'm not going to trust in my ability to make a buck. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to trust in my bank account. I'm not going to trust in my investments. I'm not going to trust in those things. I'm going to trust in him who richly provides, who richly provides. When it comes to saving, I'm going to save, but I'm not trusting in my savings. I'm going to trust, not in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Let me ask you today, where's your trust? Where's your trust? Is it in your, your company you work for? They're providing for you? Or do you recognize it's actually God providing? It's God, and I'm going to trust in Him. I'm not going to trust my business. I'm going to trust in Him who richly provides. Fourth category, we're talking about investing now. I think it's really, really important, especially if you're young. All the more reason to start investing because of what that does over time. It's called compounded interest. Wonderful, beautiful thing. But here it is when it comes to investing. Do we see it ourselves as stewards or do we see ourselves as owners? Stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. This is, stewardship is an investment mindset. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. He's just put it in my hands. This is an investment mindset. I'm, I'm managing God's resources. It's not Greg's resources. You know how I know that it's not Greg's resources that I'm managing? Talking about my own personal uh, finances. You know how I know it's not my resources? Because one day, when, when the Lord calls me home, I can't take it with me. It's not mine. I can't take it with me. I leave it here. It's his. It all belongs to him. Same thing for you. You can't take it with you. God owns everything, I am his manager. I'm just managing. He owns it all. And he's just saying, Greg, will you manage what I've entrusted into your hands 
in a way that glorifies me, that shows my priorities, what I really value. Will you manage my resources for your family in a way that reflects me and glorifies me? Or do you see that you own it and you can do whatever you want to with it? Big, big difference. Jesus talked about this, and isn't it funny? Jesus talked more about money and finances than any other subject. I mean, including prayer, faith, heaven, hell combined. Why? Because just as we looked at earlier, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Your, your checkbook reveals, your bank accounts reveal who's number one. Is it God or is it me? Is it me? God owns everything. And in Matthew chapter 6, look at what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He's not saying don't make investments, but he's like, understand. Are you an owner? Or are you the manager? Where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourself, watch this, this is so important, treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is so important that he understands. You know, we can actually, God is watching how we handle our finances. Are we putting him first? Are we doing it in a way that reflects him and his priorities? Or are we saying, this is mine. You can't have, you can't have no say in this. I'm doing what I feel like is best. Or are we actually asking God to get involved and get in the center, not just of our marriage and our parenting and our career, but God, get in the middle of my finances as well. You're the Lord over everything. It's all yours. So very important. God owns it all. Are you just a manager? Because what we do here on earth, you know what? We can't take it with us. But Jesus says, your treasure in heaven. We're going to get back to this because the Bible defines what it means. It explains, well, how do we lay up treasure? Store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. The Bible's real clear about how that happens. That's from the next step. The next priority, if you will. But Jesus says, make sure you don't misunderstand. You don't own it. You're a manager. You're a steward, really, of it. And then the fifth one, the fifth one. Here we go, number five. Different mindsets, generosity or misery. See, what do you call someone who's not generous? What do you call them? A miser. They live a miserable life. Doesn't matter how much they have. It's just by not being generous. You can have a whole lot and be miserable. You can have a whole little and be miserable. At the same time, you can have very little and be generous with it. Great example in the Bible, the widow's might. She gave all that she had. She was poor and she gave it all to God. Generous. Or you can have a whole lot and be generous. These are decisions that we make, perspectives that we bring into our finances that have nothing to do with how much we have has everything to do with our mindset. I, I, I know some folks that have solar, and they're just incredible generous, incredibly generous, always giving of their time, always giving of their attention, always there serving all the time, and, and then some that are just incredibly well off, that too busy to do anything for Jesus' sake. Just too busy, only when it's convenient. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Bible says, The Lord Jesus himself said, and you hear this all the time, but did you know Jesus said it? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, there's a greater blessing in giving than in receiving. The Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, 
here's the important thing. The value of my life is not determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but how much my life of my life I can give away. The same is true for you. The value of your life is not determined by how much you achieve or accumulate, but by how much of your life you can give away by being generous. Because why? It's more blessed to give than to receive accolades, to receive ribbons, trophies, all that. It's more blessed to give. Being generous. How much is generosity a part of your financial planning? It's an important part. Very important part to God. Remember what Jesus said, don't, don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth, but lay it up in heaven. Now watch this. Later on in the New Testament, 1 Timothy, it explains what that looks like. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. Command, instruct them, that's those that are wealthy, and we are, you know, global wealth. We looked at that, uh, and uh, uh, you know, we're so wealthy here in the United States. Crazy on a global sense. Command them that are wealthy is the context. To do good, watch this now, to be rich, what, in good deeds, and to be generous, this is the Bible, and be willing to share, and watch this, tie back into Jesus' words. In this way, when we're, we do good and good deeds, and when we're generous, financially generous with our time, with our energy, with our efforts, serving, in this way, what do we do? We lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation in the coming age. That's how we lay up treasure in heaven, just like Jesus said. How do we do it? By doing good, by doing good deeds, and by being generous. When Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth can corrode, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, how do we do it? Right here the Bible says, by doing good, good deeds, being generous, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age so that they may take hold, watch this now, of the life that is truly life. See, that's why we've got to go beyond just the numbers. Beyond the five categories, what does God say about each of these categories? What does God say about earnings and spending and saving and investment and giving as well? You know why? Because when we say, God, I want to put you in the middle of my financial planning, we discover life that's truly life. And here's the thing, and I just want to leave you with this. God's way works. God's way works. Let me put it this way. Okay, I'm in my 50s now. I've lived over half a century. I've pastored almost 30 years. Can I just put it this way? I have never in my life read in a newspaper, saw on television, or seen face-to-face, heard about firsthand, secondhand, any time in my life, anywhere, anyone ever going bankrupt by being generous. It's never happened. You know what? I just gave too much of my money. I just was too generous. That's why I had to declare bankruptcy. Never happens. God's way works. If you and I, in this coming year, in this coming new decade, 
if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always gotten. And I think for many of us, it's time just invite God in the middle. God, when it comes to my finances, financial freedom is what I know you want from me. I'm going to do it your way because your way works. I'm going to ask right now, would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the world's wisdom when it comes to finances. We thank you for the world's wisdom on earning and spending and saving and investing and giving. But Lord, today we recognize there's something even more beyond those numbers. And so, Father, we're just inviting you right into the middle of our finances. Lord, for many of us, we've, we've made some, some big financial mistakes, some, some decisions we've made that have, in a negative way, impacted us personally. It's impacted our marriages. It's impacted our families. And, Father, we need you to be right in the middle of our finances. And we know, Lord, you, your desire is that we would have financial freedom. And so, Father, help us. We ask for your grace right now, Lord, as we choose in this new year, in this new decade, contentment over consumerism. As, as we choose to fulfill the calling that you have on our life instead of just living to make a buck, compensation. Lord, we want to be dependent upon you no matter how, how big our bank account is. And never feel like we're independent. God, that we're managers, we're stewards of what you've placed in our hands, Lord. And we don't own it at all. You own everything. We're just managers. And God, may we be generous and not penny-pension misers. Lord, that we would be generous and we would remember it is more blessed to give than to receive. Especially, Lord, as we come into this season of generosity. And may we reflect your love, your generosity, as your word tells us that you loved the world so much that you gave. You gave your only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity in this moment if you've never taken that first step of trusting God, of trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, giving your life to Him. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. And so right now in this moment, I want to give you the opportunity to open your heart up to Jesus and trust Him with all of your life, not just your finances, trust Him with all of your life. If you've never done that before, you can repeat this prayer after me right now, even in a whisper. This is between you and God, this moment of putting your life in his hands. Just repeat after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. I ask you, Jesus, to lead me, to guide me, 
to direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward and I will follow you.